chair staff is ready when you are. Great, let's get started. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Commissioners, good to see everyone. Hopefully everybody's doing well. I know we have a couple of absence, absences and um, hopefully hope, hope, hoping that those commissioners are um, recovering quickly. But I know some of things are going around. Flu season is starting earlier, I think. Um, so, but before we begin our agenda, I see we have a new commissioner and I know we're gonna get to her soon, but Commissioner Rose, welcome to your first meeting. We're really excited to have you join us. And I know that comes, it's a little later in the agenda, but just really excited to have new, a new face joining us. Great. Um, let's go ahead and let's start uh, at the top of the agenda, one second. So good evening, everyone. Welcome, it's Monday, September 12th. Um, and we are here with the Sacramento Community Police Review Commission meeting. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioners, please unmute and turn on your video for roll call. Commissioner Guerrero is currently absent. Commissioner Carter? Present. Commissioner Elcara is currently absent. Commissioner Falcone? Present. Commissioner Jefferson? Here. Commissioner Mayor? Here. Thank you. Commissioner Marion? Appears to be absent. Commissioner Rose? Present. Thank you. Commissioner Espinoza Salazar appears to be absent. Commissioner Williamson? Present. Vice Chair Bliss? Here. And Chair Castillo Krings? Here. Thank you. We have a quorum. Great. Uh, so, this meeting, as you all can see, is via Zoom. For members of the public who wish to join, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and you wish to speak, raise your hand to provide public comment when the chair, when I confirm that the public comment speaking period um, on your item has begun. If you are online, go ahead and raise your hand on the bottom of your screen. If you're calling in through a mobile, um, in the mobile app, you can raise your hand by simply tapping on the raise hand feature um, or there's going to be a more tap that can provide you that information as well. If you're calling via telephone to raise your hand, dial star nine, then to unmute or mute the call, dial star six. Speakers will be called by the last four digits of the phone number. I want to make a quick announcement. We're going to change things up just a little bit. Just want to make sure that as we want to provide additional opportunities for the community to participate. And to do so, we're gonna make a couple of adjustments to the time that is allotted for public speaking. For anybody who wishes to make a comment on the agenda, we're gonna provide three minutes as opposed to two. For items that are not on the agenda, we are gonna give the public five minutes as opposed to um, the number of minutes they had before. So with that, we're gonna proceed with our agenda. 
So we are going to do the land acknowledgement and the Pledge of Allegiance. So please rise for the opening acknowledgement in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, the Pat Patwin Winton peoples and the peoples of the Wilson Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who come before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous peoples, history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, for which <coughs> apologize about that. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Now, I apologize for getting over a cold, or, and so just bear with me. Um, so just a, a quick update today. So where we left off, a couple of items. As you guys may recall, the, we had actually, we were following a couple of items that the city council was going to take up. The first one was dealing with changes to how boards and commissions were going to function. The city council took that item up last month, August 23rd, the vice chair and I showed up to the city council meeting to try to um, advocate for additional changes. Unfortunately, we were not successful and we will have a presentation by the city clerk's office to kind of outline the changes for that ordinance. But at the end of the day, the biggest items for us that we lost, we will no longer moving forward be able to actually have the ability of putting together ad hoc. Now, that is going to change how this commission works and operates. We were relying on ad hoc to do the bulk of our policy work. That can no longer happen from the chair or the dais, which means we have to figure out a new way of working together on policy changes. There is another option. There's going to be the opportunity for commissions to petition for standing committees, which means we would have to go with our ideas for standing committees Standing committees are Brown Act bodies, so they are going to have to be agendized, they're going to have to be staffed, we're going to have to have them in public settings like this. And we would have to petition to the PPNE committee for approval of any standing committees. It doesn't mean that we petition, it doesn't mean that we get them, it just means that we have the ability to petition them. Um, and so moving forward, commissioners, if you have a policy area that you're interested in, you can go ahead and reach out to your fellow um, commissioners and organize yourselves outside of this forum and do that work. We can no longer coordinate and organize ourselves in our meetings. So for example, if Commissioner Bliss wanted to start up a, a working group on any, on use of force, I'm just gonna use this as an example. He can reach out individually to Commissioner Carter, Commissioner Falcon, as long as not, it's not more than five people. And on your own, you can do small working groups. Go ahead, put on um, some of the meetings that you need to put together. 
And as long as you come back and report to the commission, get it agendized, that's how we can carry on with the way we were doing small groups. But we as a body can no longer coordinate as to what we're going to work on. It's going to be up to each individual commissioner to decide how they want to operate that. So more, more to come on that. I'm sure we'll figure out a system, but we no longer have the ability to do ad hoc. The, the council did say whatever ad hocs are do working right now, those will exist until the end of the year. And after they're disbanded, that's it. We're done. There was a pretty robust discussion. Um, we also had a strong proponent there from Measure U trying to advocate, letting them know that the ad hoc system that we have now actually works really well. We did not have to be staffed. It actually is a good way of getting also the community involved, but we did not prevail. And with that, I'm turning it over to Commissioner Bliss. Thanks for that uh, recap, uh, Chair Casillo Krings. Um, yes, it was incredibly disappointing uh, that City Council did not listen to um, actually multiple uh, uh, multiple commissions, boards, and um, committee chairs that had called in. Uh, not one of them expressing support for this uh, for eliminating the ad hoc provisions and. Uh, several questions, reasonable questions raised by uh, majority of city council around how this ordinance uh, by eliminating the ad hoc committees would actually um, enhance transparency. One of the most concerning things that I found from uh, the read of this new ordinance is how this action actually increases the likelihood of Brown Act violations by eliminating the formal mechanism of ad hocs which allow members to know who is discussing what topics and ensure that fewer than a quorum of members participate in discussions outside of a public meeting, which as this currently is, we can say that we're calling like that we're calling individual, you know, uh, less than a quorum of folks, but there is no way now of actually verifying that within a public setting, um, which actually creates less transparency. Not only does that create conditions that like not only would such conditions be unethical violation of basic principles of democracy, but actually to damage trust between our commissions and the community members we are appointed to serve, which is why I'm committed, uh, I'll, and I'll just speak for myself um, as a commissioner, to ensuring that we actually go, like, do as much as we can to be as transparent as possible when we are meeting in whatever form it comes, whether it's a subcommittee, working group, or a standing committee, because frankly, the rules as they are, as, as they exist right now, simply don't make sense. A lot of the changes do make sense, um, but the elimination of ad hocs, I believe, was directly targeted at uh, work that we have been productively doing uh, over the last multiple years, and the, unfortunately, the current city council get, uh, got its way. Uh, so I will pass that, or I'll pass it back to you, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Falcone. Uh, you'll forgive me, I was not able to attend and advocate with you, but my question is, was it a unanimous decision or can we name those who voted to proceed forward with the elimination versus those that did not agree? It was not a unanimous decision. It was a four to five decision. Um, and so it was a closed vote. I think it was a very robust conversation. It was actually, I would say about an hour, hour and a half discussion but going back and forth and trying to kind of make sure that everybody understood the importance of ad hoc, why it was, it was needed. Um, so it was a four to five decision. And uh, is there a place, is there a place where the vote is recorded? 
Yes. Uh, okay. Very good. Thank you so much. I that, I I knew that. I don't know why I didn't think that, but my apologies. Yes, of course it's recorded. Thank you. Not a problem, Commissioner Williamson. Thank you. Um, what's the rationale for it? I mean, we, we can feel like, okay, we're too effective when we scare them. Is this coming from the city manager, the city attorney? Did the League of California Cities publish a white paper saying this is the best way to approach civic involvement? What, 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 where does this come from? So my understanding of how this came to be, this actually has, it started about a year and a half ago now where there was starting to try to standardize a couple of things for this commission. And then it extended to how the city was gonna then deal with all of the boards and commissions. Originally, start, it started off as to when, when the city council has commissions that are actually issuing annual recommendations, how will the city council de deal with those recommendations? Let's set up a, a process, let's standardize the procedures. Um, the, the city clerk's office has been working on that. That was one of the issues that was supposed to be identified. There's a couple of other items that the way that we heard it was supposed to help with standardization of things. The concern at the time was that the city council does not have any ad hoc because they don't have, they actually did away with them about a decade ago. Now, the only difference between our ad hoc and the city council is that those had have, have power because the city council has the ability to change law. Our ad hocs don't, we, our bodies don't. You know, our commission is, are just voluntary. We are supposed to provide guidance, but we don't have that authority. So we thought it was a little different. In fact, the League of Women Voters wrote in to say two different conversations are happening. You know, they actually had been behind some of those reforms and their argument was the city council has, has authority. Those bodies did have power to change policy these ad hocs that we're talking about under commissions do not they're a little different but um you know the city council disagreed with our our take and the league of women voters take and so decided that we would not have the authority to create ad hoc so so could i uh follow up question on that could i say pay for an ad in the newspaper and public and social media and then rent a hall and announce that I want to have a public discussion on a particular topic and, uh, and invite the public to participate in it and, and do it in the name of my interest in a particular topic of, the, of our commission? That's a good question for, um, for our legal team. And maybe we can ask Adriel to look into this. And just so you know, we are gonna have a briefing from the city clerk's office to make sure. So I don't wanna speak for them. They will be here. They will kind of make, make their uh, presentation so we understand the different changes that are gonna impact this next year. And that's a really good question, Commissioner Williamson. Maybe we can go ahead and follow up with Audriel. Yeah, I might just go ahead and do it and then find out if they wanna arrest me. But thank you. Commissioner Bliss. Uh, I think Adriel had gotten off of the, or got off mute to uh, try and respond. Uh, wanted to give uh, you the space, Adriel, to uh, raise your response if you have one. Good evening. Thank you, Commissioner Bliss. Um, it really depends on 
how you're conducting meeting. If it's because, like you said, online, and, and I think when you come to that point, if you want to do something like that, if you you spell out the details of how it's going to occur, I'd be happy to opine on that specific meeting. But I can't just give like a general rule of what you can do because um, with the circumstances that you laid out, because there's probably a variety of factors that might go into why it may or may not work. But I'm very happy whenever you do come to that point of having that meeting and you want legal advice on it, I'll be happy to chime in on that. Thank you. Great, thank mm -hmm. you. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify, especially for members of the public uh, who may be watching um, that the Brown Act, uh, the Ralph M. Brown Act uh, that was established in California does not actually preclude ad hoc committees from existing as long as they consist of less than a quorum, are composed solely of members and uh, of members of the board commission or committee and do not have some continuing subject matter jurisdiction and do not have it, a meeting schedule fixed by formal action of a larger body. The city's sunshine ordinance prohibits city council from forming ad hoc committees to prevent policy discussion from happening in private. But what was not really paid attention to, or at least acknowledged uh, during um, uh, uh, during the final vote, was that unlike city council, boards, commissions, and committees of the city are advisory in nature and cannot make binding decisions, with the exception of the planning commission. And given our like we had a, a necessary role of ad hoc committees to do preparatory work that includes conducting uh, research, analysis, and you know. Uh, pr uh, producing our recommendations in, uh, in a written format that uh, we had no staff whatsoever by the city uh, before this ordinance. And there's no guarantee that we'll get staffing for even our uh, subcommittees that are, that we have now have to go through the personnel um, and public employees committee. That's the, where this ordinance ultimately originated from. That's chaired by council members, Ashby, um, Harris, Lololi and Valenzuela. Um, we'll now have to go through, uh, we'll now have to submit our commit, like our, our requests for subcommittees to be created on respective topics or standing committees, um, via this committee. And, but there's no promise that we will have staff, uh, to actually do that. And we know for a fact that staff do not, uh, one are not needed to oversee such out like hours of reporting that we already do together ourselves but they also are not available to serve in this capacity as they do the city council because city council is a decision-making body. They actually have authority to establish policy and they have full-time staff support, which is current, like, which is why we are, are as commissions don't have that same level of staff support. So I'm looking forward to next month when we actually get to talk about that and um, really going to have some questions on how this ult ultimately works, but I am committed to making sure that we are as transparent um, and and stay within the basic principles of participatory democracy as possible. Great, well, thank you so much. So our next update is the military use, equipment use general order. As you all know, we've been tracking that issue for a few months now, and it is supposed to be heard by the city council tomorrow, tomorrow's agenda. So a couple of updates on that one. So there's uh, five commissioners that have signed on to that letter. And the reason has been because we were, because of the timing, it never lined up where, when we needed to put something forward um, that had to be public and when the commission was meeting. 
So that's something else that we have to figure out how to coordinate with the commission's uh, meeting and some of the action that has to happen in between. But on that one, I think many of you have seen the letter that has been issued. We've been setting up meetings with city council and have been having some good discussions with a lot of the members to make sure that they understand and we're walking them through why um, we are asking for additional changes to the general order. So those discussions are ongoing. We will see how the discussion goes tomorrow. So tune in for any of you who uh, would like to participate in that. Um, I probably will be calling in. I will not be able to attend. I'm still recovering and should not take my germs anywhere else. But really quickly, and a couple of items there. In full disclosure, I did have a conversation with Chief Lester last Wednesday. One of the criticisms that we have uh, brought out forth in our letter is, I'm not gonna go through all of them, but I'm gonna go through the ones that we've been talking to her directly about. One of the criticisms was that we did not think that the public meetings that were had during the summer to really roll out the policy and how they engage the community were sufficient. We thought that there were some problems. We identified those in talks, discussed it. And where we are right now, the, the chief is willing to collaborate with us and say, you know what, let the commission do one of the main things it was created to do. Let us be the ones to go out to the actual community and talk to them and talk about the policy. Let them kind of give us our feedback. We can, to um, Commissioner Bliss's point, we can do the note-taking, we can go ahead and issue a report, we can try to figure out how to elevate the community voice and make sure that we're providing all of that feedback back to the PD. So we basically committed to writing a draft community outreach plan for next year, right? So not this year, for next year. And so that is something that we wanna bring back to the commission, make sure that you're part of that conversation and participation. I think a lot of you are really connected with the community and that kind of feedback will be really important to ensure that the community feels that not only do they have a seat at the table, but that their actual feedback is taken seriously. So more to come on that. That's one of the things that we're working on. And we wanna make sure that the commission acts as a community moderator and really try to lift up those voices. So that's one issue. Um, and the other uh, items that we're talking about, for, for the commissioners that signed on to the, to the letter, data gathering is important and it's key to understanding the impact that the MEU policy is having in our city. Without data collection, we do not, we cannot evaluate whether it's working if it's actually protecting civil rights and liberties. And that is the type of information that we need to have in order for the city council and for the commission to be able to fully evaluate the policy. That is something that the, the chief acknowledged. And so we wanna work with her to try to figure out there's data that's already being collected in other reports in the use of force, demographic data that we wanna make sure that we understand where some of this equipment is being used, how it's being used and in what circumstances. And that information should be part of the annual report that is mandated for the police department to issue every year. It should be really easy for the public to pick up that annual report and have all that information there, or at least have links to other reports that contain that data. It should not be, it should not be up to us to try to kind of comb through all of the reports to try to kind of get that information. So that is something that we're working on. It's something that we have been raising to the city council, because again, it's all about transparency. We just wanna make sure that it's easy to access the information and that we're able to understand it. So those are some of the changes that we're really advocating strongly for. 
there's a couple other items in there, um, including, for example, making sure that the police department is not able to spend money until they get full authorization from the city council. Again, 481, which is state law that requires uh, this policy, was put in to ensure that there was full level of transparency, that the community understood what the policy is, what equipment is being purchased, and why. So we just want to make sure that all of that transaction, any type of money that comes in, any money that is spent, is fully transparent, that it's easy to account for, and that the community through the city council has a say. So more to come on that. That is work again. That is a policy that has to be updated and and approved every year. So we have an opportunity as a body to continue to have an impact as that policy continues to. Um, move forward and be shaped. Thoughts, questions, and I think I'm looking at Commissioner Bliss. Mm -hmm. And I also wanna note that there's uh, someone in the queue for public comment. I think that's coming up in uh, 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 next after this update. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate uh, you lifting up the, uh, the key, like the key demands or the key recommendations that we are making um, at like based on our ad hoc um, considerations. I also just wanted to note, we, you know, um, besides clear, like, you know, uh, we're expecting uh, stronger reporting requirements uh, by requiring, you know, demographic reporting so that, and it's in the annual reports that SPD will be providing regarding like where it is used, uh, this military equipment is used and who it is used against and in what context. We're also asking for, um, uh, to designate independent oversight, which is explicitly required under AB 481's uh, language, where it's uh, clearly states, you know, a written policy, um, uh, it must include the mechanisms to ensure compliance with the military equipment use policy, including which independent persons or entities have oversight authority, and if applicable, what legally enforceable sanctions are put in place for violations of the policy, which is why one of our recommendations is that the city council designate um, someone that, or entities that are separate from the police department, because as the policy stands right now, uh, their oversight authority currently sits with um, the, the inspections and standards team uh, with assistance from the professional standards unit and uh, all violations will be submitted to the internal affairs division. But uh, as we noted in our letter, all of those uh, bodies are budgeted under the police department, under the office of the chief, which raises questions of how independent um, and impartial their analysis can, uh, can be within that, which is why we're asking for uh, the city council to um, designate the Office of Public Safety Accountability, the inspector general, and this commission uh, to serve as the independent entities that are uh, required under AB 481 so that we can have meaningful oversight um, that uh, that can be impartial and prioritize the public's welfare, safety, civil rights, and civil liberties, um, as is expected and required under uh, AB 41's key requirements. Great. <clears throat> so I know we have a couple of members of the public. Before we go to them, I'm just going to allow other folks to finish up their updates, and then we're going to turn to them. So. Any any uh, any updates from the Office of Public Safety and Accountability? This is Mary Appler from OPSA. We have no updates. Thank you. Great, thank you. And the next is any updates from the Sacramento Police Department staff? 
This is Assistant City Manager Mario Lara. I'm here um, you know, on both behalf of the city manager's office and the police department. I don't have any updates. Thank you. Great, thank you. And Commissioner Bliss. I have a question for Assistant City Manager uh, Lara. Is are you going to serve as the uh, formal representative for the Sacramento Police Departments uh, on this commission going forward? I'm noticing that uh, we haven't seen Lieutenant Galliano, who is uh, who's been serving as our rep uh, for most of this year until we went uh, before we went on recess, and it's now the second meeting that we've had since we returned from recess in August, and he still isn't uh, available for us, and we haven't had Sacramento Police Department formally represented uh, outside of uh, your office. So I'm just curious, is this the new uh, format that uh, meetings will proceed on or is this, um, uh, or are they going to be showing up for our next meeting? Yeah, I don't, I don't know to what extent they're not gonna be showing up, but I'm here on behalf of both the CMO's office and the, and the uh, police department, so. Okay, this might be this is going to be something uh, I think that we that our commission should follow up directly with um, Chief Lester about to see uh, how represent like who is going to be represented uh, for the department, because uh, this is the second meeting uh, within our year and we only have 10 meetings uh, going forward. So I think that it's really important that we have it like I really think that uh, Assistant City Manager Lara should be attending these meetings. And I appreciate you attending these. And I also think that um, the Sacramento Police Department should be uh, uh, should be attending these meetings as well. Newly noted, Commissioner. Commissioner Williamson. Thank you. Uh, would you please take back to the Police Department that uh, we are aware that today is National Police Woman Day. And uh, it's just something that's worth making a note of. Thank you. Okay, and I, I understand that there's a couple of members of the public, so I wanna make sure that I give them an opportunity. And I see a couple of hands raised. One second. Mr. Boyd. Yes, thank you. Um, I think I am now able to be heard. Is that correct? Yes, you are. Fantastic. Uh, sorry for the interruption. Um, Chair, you, thank you for your update. I believe you may have left out one component um, in Vice Chair Bliss as well. Uh, unless I missed it, I apologize if I did. Uh, in, in addition to forming if a work group is to be formed and then they request going to PP&E to have them decide if they would forward that request or not onto city to the city council. And then once it goes to the city council, then the city council then would decide if in fact the city council will, will approve or disapprove a working group to form. Um, with that said, uh, a question was asked, why did this come about? In my opinion, um, uh, not even my opinion, uh, objectively, you can watch the PP&E committee meeting 
I believe it was April 23rd, and you will hear the PP&E committee state um, exactly where this came from. Uh, and the request for changes, restrictions, so forth. And that request that was where it came from was stated by PP&E, came from Mayor Daryl Steinberg's office. Again, watch the PP&E meeting, I believe it was April 23rd. And you will hear for yourself where these requests have come from. And speaking uh, uh, of restrictions and changes and the lessening of the authority of city boards and commissions um, that started a few years ago, but it seems to have really gone into overdrive since 2020 when I believe my opinion and thoughts is that when the most high profile boards and commissions that the city of Sacramento has have been filled, those seats have been filled with persons of color and not only persons of color, but persons of color that are truly engaged and not there just as a, uh, as window dressing for unfortunately, in my opinion, uh, a lot of folks in the past have been exactly that uh, in lockstep with whatever city council wanted and or the city council member that placed them there. I understand the city council member is their prerogative to place who they want and more than likely, yes, you would want to put someone there who uh, is going to be easy on your request, but at the same time, for full democracy, you would want somebody in there to at least challenge you to bring the objective thoughts of the community forward versus a, being a yes man or yes woman. Um, going past that, the um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm speeding through my notes. As what was witnessed and what was spoken here uh, a few moments ago, those of you, uh, I greatly appreciate those of you who had uh, come to city, to the city council meeting and spoke in person. Uh, I'm still doing my best in practicing staying away from everybody, but that's just me. Uh, uh, as we see, or as those who had saw the council meeting and those who will watch it, I do believe 100%, if not, I'll drop it down to 97% of those who spoke are persons of color those who are truly impacted by the work that has been done and is being done by ad hoc committees that will that is trying to equitably uh, equal that of those that do have versus those of us that don't have and to that with this uh, body here with the work you guys are doing the work that the planning and design uh, Commission is doing at times, or at least some of us uh, very vocalizing what can be done to um, equalize the or level the playing field is my thoughts on why the push to eliminate or prohibit any of the ad hoc committees being formed. And what was also, I believe, was lost was the um, lack of attention of any counts or excuse me any city um, policy and code to be changed must go to law and ledge this one did not and there was still has been no answer of why it did not thank you my time is out thank you mr boy i see we have another hand up 
Can we please go to Megan? Megan, I've given you the ability to speak. Hi there, good evening, um, commissioners. I wanted to call in, my name is Meg White and I'm a concerned community member. Um, I wanted to first call in in support of your uh, recommendations. For the military use policy, I think that is really important. Um, I am a little concerned about the idea of the commission taking over outreach. Um, I love the idea of you guys being a moderator, but my concern comes from just taking away the accountability of police having to hear it all about where they are in community. So I'm not sure if you were planning on, on scheduling the events or if you're planning on holding the events and then taking the information back. Um, I think the concern with taking the information back is, as you can see here, they won't even show up to these meetings. So I don't know how we could expect them to be too much more uh, receptive if it's just another document in writing that they get to kind of sweep under the rug as opposed to having to face the communities that they sit and work in. <clears throat> so I want to be sure to, to give that feedback and again, offer my support for all of the recommendations you guys are making for the military use policy. Thank you for that feedback, Megan. Great. Now we're going back to the agenda. And again, we're switching things up a little bit. So in order to ensure that we're giving members of the public the ability to speak first, I'd like us to switch. And so our first business today will be public comment matters not on the agenda. And as a reminder, the public will have five minutes to speak. Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on matters not on the agenda? Thank you, Chair. We do have one member of the public with their hands raised. Our first speaker is Barry Boyd. Thank you, and Chair, you threw me off a little uh, by bringing this first. But with that, um, a quick comment to those who are listening, items not on the agenda. The League of City, um, um, the leagues of the League of Cities met for the General Assembly last Friday, and it was an opportunity for individuals to speak up in regards to bringing local authority having local authority of the processing or processes of um, city city um, code and in regards to housing and generally the local authority having the local authority and not uh, walking in lockstep to what the state mandates and or passes through its legislation um, unfortunately this the league of cities did not um, step forward with enough votes. It was, I believe, the count 167 against uh, 99-4, offering the opportunity to bring into discussion for cities to have local control of what they want to do. And to that, just I'm, I'm bringing this forward to give a grander view of what is going on. A true control mechanism not only here at the local level but statewide in forcing cities to follow lockstep to whichever the state is requiring to be done regardless of the will of the people which is defined as the mass majority want done so 
just an FYI, folks, you, we really have to tune in, stay engaged, stay involved, and call out any and all individuals that have the authority to vote to pass, to uh, present and pass any legislation that affects all of us here at the city level, the county level, the state level, of course, the uh, national level. But in particular, paying attention to derailing what was taking place here at the city level in regards to uh, an ad hoc committee um, uh, revisiting parking restrictions and or almost restrictions but parking um, parking period in regards as it as it as it uh, attends excuse me my uh, I wasn't quite ready with my uh, what I was going to say as parking relates to development and new development so as it is now with SB9, SB, uh, well, SB9 in particular, you can build and you don't have to, um, uh, it is not required for you to have parking as a part of your build. So you can build a house, an apartment, whatever, and actually provide zero parking. So what does that mean? Those cars park in front of your house, your neighbor's house, so forth, so on. And that's residential, that's commercial, so forth, so on. And we, a ad hoc committee from the Planning and Design Commission, were uh, started in April and the city dragged its feet in trying to find a consultant, so forth, so on. And we still haven't, um, we still don't have a consultant. So as the chair has stated, ad hocs run out as of December 31st, 2022, and nothing going forward from there. And I asked the question in the uh, Planning and Design Commission last Thursday, and basically there were done in regards to trying to figure out what new policy that we could have put forward in regards to new development here in the city of Sacramento, uh, how it relates to parking. So with that said, I'll conclude with this. Ladies and gentlemen, you, we have to stay more engaged, more involved, and not idly stand by on the sideline hoping somebody else will speak up. The mass majority has to continue to come forward in meetings such as this, uh, planning and design, Sacramento Housing and Redevelopment Commission, a city council meeting, and make sure that the will of the people is being addressed as it was not last week. There is no guarantee, but if those who were there to represent us as they are, because we voted them in, are not doing what we, us, the will of the people have requested, well, what is the next step? And with that, Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Mr. Boyd, and I apologize for throwing you off a little bit. Great. Uh, our next item that we have on the agenda is consent. Oh, um, Chair Castillo-Crings, could I uh, make one uh, comment to add additional context to something that um, uh, Mr. Boyd had raised earlier around? Um, of course. Um, I just wanted to also, or one thing I forgot to mention was how one of our frust one of the frustrations that we as a commission have experienced and other commissions have experienced is uh, the lack of a standard process for handling uh, our recommendations that are submitted to city council. Um, in fact, what like the very impetus of the ordinance uh, based on uh, how I understood it um, and was uh, it came from a February 22nd meeting where the city auditor had actually uh, submitted it, or had presented its report that was submitted back in November of 2021. Um, 
saying or calling for the city council to create a formal uh, process for filing recommendations, which we had not seen. And then it was during that February 22nd meeting this year um, that uh, council member Ashby uh, as chair of the uh, public or the personnel and public employees committee had raised um, saying that they, they would take on um, design this process. And ultimately this is the ordinance that came out of it. But one of the things that was notably absent, which we raised during uh, that conversation, was um, that there is no formal process still created in there. And uh, the letter, the joint letter that was submitted by our commission, the Measure U Commission, um, and five other commissions, including the Ethics Commissions and Planning Commission, um, had included recommending the following language be added to this ordinance, um, which was whenever a board, committee, or commission submits policy recommendations to the city council, these recommendations shall be agendized first for consideration by either the budget committee and or the law and legislation committee within 90 days of submission. The board, committee, or commission shall be invited to send a representative to present these the recommendations. As uh, as uh, Mr. Boyd noted, and I believe you did, Chair, uh, that still is yet to be determined and was not addressed uh, during the formal vote, the five to four vote uh, for the ordinance. And uh, I would, uh, and that is something actually that members of the public can raise uh, with the public and uh, with the personnel and public employees committee um, every third uh, Tuesday at 3 p.m. Uh, the next meeting should is supposed to be September 20th. Uh, assuming that they, they do not cancel it like they did last month. Thank you, Commissioner Bliss. Okay, I'm uh, moving on with the agenda. Now we're moving on to the consent item. Um, one of the things that I wanted to raise on the consent item for the minutes, um, I did not see the attachment of the minutes. And so I'm wondering, I'm not sure we can vote on this item. I did not see them unless I, I could have missed it. His other commissioners, were they able to see the, the minutes? Commissioner Bliss, you're on mute. Uh, Chair Castillo-Krings, you are right. Uh, the meeting minutes were not included in there. And um, that is the second time in a month or uh, since last month that we weren't able to actually see the full write out of the, mi the minute. I believe we uh, had not formally approved our meeting minutes for um, the last meeting that we had in May because of uh, something similar. I, I'm not remembering the exact context to it, but that is pretty problematic. I don't believe we can vote uh, for uh, to approve these minutes without actually being able to see these minutes for both May and June, or and August. All right, so let's move on from the consent calendar. We are not going to vote on that today. So now we have our discussion items. So the first issue is our ad hoc committee updates. And I know that some of us are still trying to meet. Just an actual, one of the things that I wanted to bring up on that, um, I know Commissioner Guerrero is not here today, but one of the items that came up with the conversation that I had with Chief Lester was that they are interested in trying to figure out a process within the commission and the police department to figure out what outstanding uh, recommendations there are. As many of you know, there is an ad hoc that is going back to 
2018 to trying to standardize all of the all of the recommendations. We're trying to make sure that we understand and have a handle on each of the years going back to 2018. And that work is being done right now. We are we are trying to schedule a actual meeting with the police department to go through the work and make sure that we understand what they think that what the work that they have done, which um, items have been addressed, which remain outstanding, and then we can come back to this larger body and to the community to have a better conversation. So more to come on that one. <clears throat> and that's anybody, anybody else, I'm looking at the commissioners that are present, any other updates for the, your ad hoc that you're working on? Commissioner Bliss? Um. Not too much to update uh, the budget ad hoc committee. Uh, the budget transparency ad hoc committee was not able to uh, meet uh, between uh, last meeting and now, but um, we are scheduling a meeting to uh, take place uh, in the next week or two. Um, the surveillance and ad hoc committee is uh, looking to request a meeting and had some questions uh, uh, relevant to that uh, to SBD personnel um, in the coming month or in the month that we were hoping to ask Lieutenant Galliano, but he's not here apparently. But uh, either way, we'll send, uh, be submitting that request here soon. Uh, wanted to note that uh, we had uh, we had noticed that there were two surveillance related general orders that were not uh, publicly listed on the uh, general orders webpage, which was uh, general order 525.05, the closed circuit television cameras and uh, general order 525.08, the automated license plate reader and police observation devices, which um, as of this, um, or as of this meeting uh, that has been added back to the general orders page. So I wanna appreciate the city for adding that back to it. Um, and uh, I will also have some questions around uh, search and seizure uh, provisions, but I think I'll uh, save that for later. Great. Any other comments? Updates? All right. Then let's go ahead and is there a staff presentation? I don't think we have a staff presentation. Now we will move on to the public comment. As a reminder, members of the public will have three minutes to speak on this agenda item. Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak? Thank you, Chair. I currently have no members of the public with their hands raised. Great, well, thank you. Any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Great, seeing none. Let's move on to our fourth item, the City Auditor's 2022 Community Survey Report. Is our presenter online? Yes, hello, I am online. Great, thank you so much, Arishta. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yes, hi, good evening, uh, members of the Sacramento Community Police Review Commission. My name is Farishta Arari. I work in the city auditor's office and I manage the research and analysis division and I'll be presenting on the results of our 2022 community survey. Did you want me to do the oh, presentation? Yes, please proceed. Okay. Go. Yes, please proceed. 
All right, so um, a random sample of 7,000 households from across the city were selected to receive the community survey. This is an increase from our 2021 community survey when we sent out 5,500 surveys. Um, however, similar to last year's survey, we oversampled in some districts such as district two and eight um, due to historically low response rate. Uh, there were two groups of survey respondents, those that were randomly selected to participate in the survey for statistically valid survey results. Um, those people we call the representative sample. And then those that were not part of the randomly selected group, but decided to take the survey on their own. Uh, that's what we call the open participation group. The representative sample survey was administered from February 18, 2022 to April 8th. The open participation survey was available on March 25th through April 8th. We received 700 survey responses to the representative sample, which is a statistically significant sample with a 95% confidence interval and a margin of error of plus or minus 4%. Uh, we received 1,319 responses to the open participation survey, and the results are analyzed separately uh, in the report and on an interactive online dashboard. The link to the dashboard is on the slide, and it's also on our office's website. Uh, the rest of my presentation focuses on the results of the representative sample, but the results are generally not much different from the open participation results. I also want to note that the survey was conducted during the in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, so residents' ratings may have changed over time, possibly due to the COVID-19 pandemic. As a reminder, the community survey captures residents' opinions considering 10 central facets of a community, such as safety, mobility, economy, utilities, and parks and recreation. Similar to previous year's results, safety and economy were rated as high in importance and low in quality. Ideally, facets that are higher in importance to the community would also be rated as high in quality. So this highlights areas that the city may want to uh, work on. Improvements for uh, utilities, for example, also rated important, but it was also rated higher in quality by the community. So you can see it's up here on quality. Our respondents' main concerns can be categorized into three categories, economic, affordability, and safety. Respondents were less optimistic about the impact the economy would have on their personal lives, with only 18% of respondents anticipating that the economy will have a very or somewhat positive impact on their family income in the next six months. This was down from 29% last year. Respondents also had concerns about the availability of affordable quality housing, food, healthcare, and mental health care. Uh, only 19% of respondents rated the cost of living of Sacramento as excellent or good. As previously mentioned, safety was also a major area of concern for respondents. Only 33% of respondents rated the overall feeling of safety as excellent or good. Respondents felt safer in their neighborhood during the day, 80% excellent or good, than in the downtown commercial area during the day, which was 57% excellent or good. 
The next several slides provide some trend information on some of the questions asked in the survey about different facets of the community. These percentages reported in these slides are the percent of respondents that rated each question as excellent or good, um, or the top two positive options. As shown in this chart, positive responses to questions about the city's quality of life have been trending down since we started conducting the community survey in 2018. 59% of respondents rated the overall quality of life in Sacramento as excellent or good. The arrows above the 2022 responses represent how the city compares to benchmark cities with populations of 400,000 or more um, that have also taken the survey in the past five years. When the city's response is uh, within 10 percentage points as the benchmark cities, it will show as uh, similar, which is the horizontal arrows. Uh, when it is more than 10 percentage points different, it will either have an up or down arrow. Uh, for example, the city's rating of 37% positive for the overall image or reputation of Sacramento is more than 10 percentage points less than the benchmark. Um, we also want to note that we found that there weren't any questions where the city scored more than 10 percentage points higher than the benchmark city averages. So the arrows would have been pointing upward. Uh, the results were generally similar or lower than the benchmark cities. With regards to governance questions, the overall customer service by Sacramento employees have been trending up. Uh, and 51% of respondents rated it as excellent or good. This is similar to the benchmark cities. 30% uh, of respondents rated the city generally acting in the best interest of the community, which is uh, more than 10 percentage points less than the benchmark average. The percentage of respondents rating the overall economic health, health of Sacramento as excellent or good have been trending downward to 59% in 2022. Uh, however, this is similar to the benchmark average. Other questions that have also been trending down include Sacramento as a place to visit, shopping opportunities, and cost of living in Sacramento. The trends for questions regarding mobility have been varied over the last few years. Satisfaction with traffic flow on major streets seemed to have trended downward, but satisfaction with sidewalk maintenance appear to have improved. Uh, you'll notice that some questions don't have results for all four surveys, um, and that means that these are new questions that were not asked in the previous years. Uh, so for example, the question regarding the overall quality of the transportation system was a new question that was added to the survey in 2021. Satisfaction with some questions related to community design have stayed the same over the four surveys that we've con conducted, such as the overall design or layout of residential and commercial areas, and others have decreased, such as the availability of affordable quality housing. Only 11% of survey respondents rated availability of affordable quality housing as excellent or good, which is more than 10 percentage points lower than the benchmark average. Uh, satisfaction with some of the utility services in the city have rated high, 
for example, 71% of respondents rated garbage collection as excellent or good. However, other questions are lower and have been trending downward, such as satisfaction with the city's utility billing. Also, only 40% of respondents rated positive satisfaction regarding affordable high-speed internet Uh, we've seen steep negative trends in respondents' uh, satisfaction with questions regarding safety, such as overall feeling of safety, feeling of safety in downtown commercial areas during the day, crime prevention, and ambulance or emergency medical services. In addition, many of these questions rated more than 10 percentage points lower than the benchmark average. Uh, some questions regarding the natural environment have also trended downward, including cleanliness and recycling. Uh, satisfaction on questions regarding parks and recreation generally didn't change significantly from the prior year and were similar to the benchmark average. Uh, one question to highlight is respondent satisfaction with recreational opportunities. They've slightly decreased from the prior year and it's lower than the benchmark average. A respondent's satisfaction with some questions regarding the health and uh, health and wellness have turned downward from previous years, uh, but were similar to the benchmark average. A respondent's satisfaction with some questions related to education, arts, and culture have trended downward in the last few years, uh, more notably the overall opportunities for education, culture, and, and the arts, K-12 education, and adult educational opportunities. Uh, and some of this may be related to the city's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. A resident satisfaction with Sacramento as a place to retire decreased from the prior years, and it's lower than the benchmark average. 48% uh, of respondents feel the city does an excellent or good job at making all residents feel welcome, however. And then we worked with the Measure U Committee and the city manager's office um, again this year to draft a custom question for the survey. Uh, the question was to, uh, was to prioritize Measure U spending uh, by rating some categories. Uh, the results are in order of the categories receiving the most high priority and medium priority responses. Uh, Community-based mental health and wellness received the most responses of high priority and medium priority, followed by community response services, affordable housing and homeless supportive services, medical safety services, street maintenance, and youth programs. Programs that received lower responses are on the next slide right here. So public libraries received the least amount of high priority and medium priority responses. And then infrastructure and capital improvements received the most responses of don't fund with measure U at 12% respondents selecting that option. So as mentioned, uh, there is an interactive dashboard on our website uh, that allows users to analyze each of the questions by different respondent characteristics, such as city council district, age, and sex. So feel free to go on our website and play around with the 
dashboard if you want to see additional information. But just keep in mind that the 95% confidence interval and 5% margin of error is on the entire group. And once you start dissecting down into smaller groups, the margin of error is going to increase. And that is detailed out in our report, what the margin of error would be in each of these instances. All right, and that uh, concludes my presentation. Um, the city auditor and I are both available to answer any questions that you guys might have. I think you're on mute, Chair. Of course I am. How many years have we been using Zoom? But Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I currently show no members of the public with their hands raised. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Commissioner Falcon. Thank you very much. And thank you for your report. Very interesting. I look forward to digging deeper on your website, especially because you answered one of the questions directed me to the website. I'm particularly interested to find out. Um, and actually, I don't know if it's actually covered in your website areas that what the response rates were per district. Is that one of the items that's actually included in your report? Um, on the dashboard, you'll be able to see if you hover over each question, like what the, the number of responses for each category and each question, but not everyone answered every question, so it's not going to be all the same. Um, but there is a breakdown of how many surveys we sent out, but it's kind of hidden in there of how many responses we got by the district. They say it's kind of hidden, so it is in there. It's in there on the dashboard. It's easier to tell. Okay, I'll dig through the dashboard. And if I'm unable to discover that, I'll let you know. How's that? I'd be happy to help. Thank you. Um, you mentioned, of course, in the first slide, your representative sample. How is the representative sample chosen? So we work with our consultants, POCO, and um, they do calculations on how many respondents we need to be able to meet the 95% confidence interval and the margin of error. And then they uh, estimate based on, you know, past experience where, you know, where we need to be. Um, and then they use the U.S. Postal Service to identify all addresses in the city. And then they do a random selection, making sure that they capture, you know, specific amounts in each district because we oversampled in some districts that we just knew the response rates are really low. So we need to send out more surveys to get the numbers that we need. And because of COVID-19, I'm presuming um, most of the sampling or surveys were done electronically? Um, they send out mailers. So you, mailers. they get them in okay. the mail, but then the mailers have, have the survey, like a paper survey. <laughs> And then they also have instructions for um, submitting the result, the survey responses online. So we had about, it was of the 700 that, received, that, re that we received the surveys for, about half of them submitted it online and about half mailed, like filled it out on paper and mailed it back 
with prepaid envelopes. You mentioned the benchmark cities. I'm presuming your dashboard will list those benchmark cities. Um, that's a good question. I don't re I don't recall whether or not it does, but they, it does identify the number of benchmark cities um, for each question because. Oh, so so forgive me, I'm sorry. So each question has a different number of benchmark cities, and then each question is not necessarily tied to the same benchmark cities. Exactly, because you know you could um, customize the survey and identify which questions you want to send out and which ones you don't. So cities might not choose to send out the full survey with all the questions. So if we have a city in our group, in our group, but they haven't asked that question, they would not be included in the benchmark cities. Plus, um, there's a lot of small cities and not many large cities. So um, there's not a lot, like a big group that we can uh, benchmark with, just to begin with. So forgive me when you say the group that we can benchmark with, can you tell me a little bit about that criteria? criteria that we would be benchmarking ourselves along others? Is it population, demographic, um, uh, council mayor versus, you know, mayor, city manager, government forms? I mean, what, 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 are, what are some of the criterion that are used when we're saying these are the benchmark cities that we would tie ourselves to? So um, the survey uh, results, the report has two different benchmarks. One is just the regular benchmark, which is any city, town, county that's uh, taken the survey in the last five years. Uh, we do have a benchmark with them, but the ones that I compared ourselves with that we do for the most part in the survey is by population of 400,000 or more. Within California or including nationally? Uh, nationally. Interesting. Okay. Um, to that, because I found it especially interesting on your question of the overall reputation or image of Sacramento. I thought that was incredibly telling on there and frankly breaks my heart because I love it here. I love it yeah. here. Okay. So uh, it's interesting to think that and would be interesting to dig deeper into that. And then uh, finally, um, what do you suppose is the next steps for this data? What does the city plan to do? What does the county plan to do? What are the officials planning to do with this data? Is this just an information gathering ses session that's a one and done? Um, well, from what we've heard and what council has expressed to us, they'd like to get this information and use it for budgeting purposes when they make budget decisions. Um, not necessarily like this thing happened, so we have to put money in it, but just overall in general, knowing what the results are, what how the community feels when they make decisions in budgeting. Obviously, um, the city manager's office could use it any way that they want as well. But in our office, we provide the information, but we are separate from management. We don't make decisions on how funds are used or anything like that. So we just provide the information. It's up to city manager's office and mayor and city council to implement any changes they see fit based on the result. 
and I'm going to further some of my questions. I apologize because because I, I first of all I love community. I'm very interested mm -hmm. in the data. You can bet I'm going to be digging deep into this. How will this survey and the results of this survey be reported to the community? Number one, uh, I'm certain our media and media outlets would find interest in this survey as well. Is there a direction to potentially share this with the media? And um, so first question, uh, is there a way that this will be shared with the with the uh, community? Um, well, we have presented to the Budget and Audit Committee and the City Council, um, and the results are publicly available on our website. And in addition, whenever we, um, we have a report that comes out. The city auditor has a mass email that he sends out to the media groups and contacts that he has. And I believe it didn't really get picked up this time. It has gotten picked up in previous years. Um, I think in this year when we presented it and released the report, we had like Fox 40 interview the city auditor, um, but not too much media buzz. So I'm gonna make a recommendation before going on to question two. Uh, part two of that, is this available? I mean, your website's available. So obviously I, as a citizen, can really start to share this out within my community because I can tell you my community is gonna be really super interested in seeing the results of this and then probably going back to their respective city or county uh, representatives and saying, hey, what the heck's going on here? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's publicly available on our website, on the clerk's, uh, you know, website as well with the agendas on when we present it to the council. Um, it's in there as an agenda item and feel free to share it. We'd love it if if more people were interested in reading it. Yeah, I, I will definitely start passing that around. Fellow commissioners, I would recommend the same thing. Anyone who's even here from the public right now, who is representative of any other commissions or community, let them know about this really super informative. Uh, interesting that it was done during COVID-19, what year? Uh, this year, and we also did it last year as well. Okay, um, so, it's a, so, so it's a once a year. It is once a year, yes. Okay, very good. Yeah. All right, that's all the questions I have. Thank you for your time. Of course. Great. Thank you, Commissioner Bliss and then Commissioner Williamson. Uh, actually, uh, Commissioner Williamson uh, had his hand raised. I put mine down, so uh, feel free to go ahead, Commissioner Williamson. Uh, thank you. Um, I, I, I'm trying to find the website where I can do my own drill down. I, it's, I don't see a website name in our agenda and in the 170-page document that's associated. I don't see the website. And then I'm on your auditor's website, and I see reference to it but I don't see an actual link to go in and be able to do this analysis that you're talking about anywhere. And I do see references to the 2018, 19, and 21 surveys. And I do want to thank you so terribly much for having presented this, but I, I can't find where to go to do my own drill down analysis that you're suggesting is possible. Uh, yes, so if it's okay, I can share my screen really quickly and show you. If, if, if um, others would indulge me for a moment, I'm a senior citizen and can be slow sometimes, so I'd appreciate perfect. your help. This is of perfect. course. So this is the agenda item that's, uh, that you guys have access to right now, 
And if you go to basically the second page of the report, which has the infographic, um, there is a link that says for a detailed analysis, visit our online dashboard. And that's actually a hyperlink. So if you click on that, it will take you to our dashboard. And so it's basically the same exact information that's in the report, but it's just broken down into different tabs to easily like go to where you wanna go. And then if you keep going to uh, complete data, I believe, no, sorry, comparisons, you can um, select the different things that you wanna compare by. So age, sex, um, council district, and it'll tell you each question and what the results were. Very good, thank you. That's what I was looking for. Absolutely. And, and again, outstanding. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're very brave. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for your presentation. Commissioner Flitz, your hand is up. Do you have another comment? Yes. Um, really appreciate uh, the work that the city auditor's office uh, and you have done um, in presenting this. Um, and I really appreciate uh, Commissioner Falcone for uh, the many questions that uh, he answered or that he asked for me um, within that. And um, one of the things I wanted to come back to uh, in your responses was how this survey is intended to help the city manager and city council set budget priorities. And I and if I misheard, uh, correct me if I misheard you, um, identify community needs. So. I wanted to know, does the city auditor or the city council and city manager consider this to be like a community needs assessment uh, of a survey, or is this kind of more just um, a, a similar survey, but not quite to that depth? Yeah, I wouldn't call it a community needs survey, but it's just to get a pulse of the community and what they, where they um, feel the city is doing well and what they are not very happy with. So with the excellent or good versus you know, lower ratings, um, they'll be able to assess like, you know, where the community is happy and where they feel like there might be in, in areas for improvement. Um, but like I said, being the auditor's office, we can't really speak to what the city manager's office is gonna do with the information per se, or the city council, but we just provide them the same information, pretty much the same presentation that we just gave you guys the budget and audit committee and the city council also re received. So um, it just put the results into context um, by allowing us to compare the city to the prior surveys we've conducted to see where it's trending and also how well we're doing compared to other benchmark cities. And that's why for us, we, we use the custom benchmark because, you know, the survey can include little tiny towns with you know hundreds of people where it's not going to be similar to the city of Sacramento. So then we do that custom benchmark of populations of 400,000 or more um, where it'll be a little more comparable for the city. Hmm. Gotcha. I mean, that, I appreciate uh, that clarification because I honestly think that what the city is sorely needing, uh, and that could be a very uh, valuable use of uh, the city auditor's office uh, staff time, uh, is to conduct a formal community needs assessment uh, that genuinely uh, informs 
how budget priorities are set. In fact, like I think that is um, immensely vital to any sort of like any uh, semblance to maintain any semblance of a democracy, uh, in, in, like in our country. And I think like um, seeing the survey samples, you know, and like the short time period, you know, a month is is good, but what if we actually expanded this for multiple months or better yet, like kind of had this as sort of a um, uh, almost like a, a year round uh, survey process to really assess um, where people's needs like needs are at and like how they like just keep taking this general pulse so that uh, and especially reaching out to communities um, that have been historically disenfranchised uh, and who may not trust any process that the city has to offer, which is I'm, I'm I can imagine is one of the reasons why you don't get a lot of uh, survey respondents because a lot of people take the, who take these surveys they're conducted by um, like you know a lot of times conducted by political groups um, uh, during voting time and election seasons, but don't really see much come out of those surveys uh, in spite of like you know the low levels and things like public safety, uh, which is uh, on continuous on crime, according to your, um, uh, to the dashboard. Mm. I, I wonder if there, um, uh, if it has been proposed to have, like, to extend this survey out longer. Um, and if so, like, uh, are there any, like, methods or um, examples that you've seen of other cities or municipalities in the United States that have done similar like long-standing surveys that, and um, how those are measured comparatively with previous years? Sure. Um, so we work with our consultants POCO and all they do is community surveys of all types of surveys, not just the um, community survey that we've done. And we've worked with them to do other surveys as well. And they do not recommend really to keep surveys open for so long just because of survey fatigue. And also they don't know if, you know, if it's just open, people won't know if it's the same survey that they just took and try to take it again or, you know, um, so having it open for a limited amount of time gets, and, you know, things might change. So if you have it open for a really long time, uh, you won't know how the community feels in a certain time where there might've been issues or events that had happened. And so you can't really try to compare something like, you know, if you compared this year versus 2019, if you had it open for so long before the pandemic, you know, people in the community would have felt differently. So we try to keep it open for a certain amount of time. We'd, we'd love to get it out there to, you know, there, we know there are communities that don't feel like anything is going to happen or that they're input is not going to be valued or they don't want to take the time to do it. And, you know, we would love to any way that you think is going to help, we would welcome to take any sort of feedback um, and increase our marketing. We try to work with um, the city, the city community engagement officer and every and the media communications. We try to get it out there and do Facebook ads just to try to reach as many people in the community. Um, in that certain amount of time when we're doing the surveys so that people know about it and can take the survey. But I mean, we've just seen it in the last four years that we've taken this survey, the first few years that was out there, we had a lot, like a really high response rates online and, you know, in the mail. 
uh, in the randomly sample, but we've seen the response rates decline, which now we're thinking, do we even do this survey every year because people are not responding as much as we thought. So we're, and we increased the number of surveys that we sent out. In the first couple of years, we were sending out 3,000. Now this year we're at 7,000 and we're still seeing lower response rates. And that is probably attributed to survey fatigue or people thinking, you know, they don't have the time to do it. So mm -hmm. we've internally even talked about whether we want to make this a biannual, like do it once every other year um, survey, because the results, you know, they, you could see a trend, but, you know, do we need to give the community more time in between taking all these surveys? Because this is not the only survey our city, our office does and the city does. So again, just being mindful of survey fatigue and the fact that this is a pretty long survey might also deter some people. I, uh, I have a response to that, and I, I'm curious to like to know what other surveys uh, the city auditor conducts uh, and if those are like routine and like what, like you know around their timeline. Um, one of the suggestions that I have coming from you know as a community organizer background um, is really the key to making um, making sure that the survey you know uh, one is either led by or like directly targeting to engage people that uh, you want to be engaged or who don't like necessarily, who don't necessarily hear from the most. And one of the things that could be done too is like to talk like, you know, make it as uh, inclusive and accessible as possible. For instance, like, you know, I know COVID has been um, uh, severely limiting and how you can do in-person conducting of surveys, but honestly, I mean, going to like, having survey areas uh, in places where people are known to gather, especially those community members that are like, you know, engaged in social events um, and, and going out in places like, you know, the African marketplace or the farmer's markets that are held on K Street and other areas um, could really go a long way to getting some of those folks that may not engage, may not have access to online, um, uh, to the online data portal and aren't really inclined to send back, like to take the time to, you know, fill out postage or, uh, you know, fill up, like fill out a paper survey that's mailed to them. Now, some people may actually uh, be more responsive if there are folks that are going door to door on uh, during like, you know, the, the peak uh, times in which you conduct that. And I realize that can be a lot of resources, but honestly, that's one of the ways that you can make it worth people's while if you compensate community members um, you know, even with just like food card, like, you know, uh, like gas cards or something like that, or even gift cards to uh, local, uh, uh, to like, you know, to local shops and such like that, uh, to like really encourage people to participate and really make it worth their while, I think could go a long way to engaging some of those um, residents who don't trust that like the process or the surveys that they're doing or may not like you know have the time especially when we're um all still struggling the, the negative economic impacts um that have come from both covid and among the other uh converging crises that we're seeing so those are just some ideas but um i am also curious like what other surveys you conduct um uh your uh, your office that are related to like you know uh, assessing either community needs or just like community um input in the in our processes um, so uh, thank you for your suggestions. We'll definitely use these suggestions for the next time we do the survey and uh, make those discussions with our consultant and the internal city team. So those were really great ideas. 
Um, and then the other surveys that we've done, um, some have not been uh, annual surveys, but we recently did one of the community, the animal shelter. So we worked with the animal shelter to ask the community questions. And um, we do an internal employee survey um, basically every other year now. Um, and uh, that uh, to see what the city workplace is like. And then um, let's see, when COVID first started, we did community surveys regarding the impact that COVID had on businesses and the community. And we actually did two phases of the surveys to, you know, one was like right in the beginning of COVID and then one um, a few months later to, to assess the impact the community of the community. Um, so some were phone calling, cold calling people. Um, we had a, a vendor, a consultant who did that. And um, the other surveys were kind of using the similar POCO um, a website that we use for a community survey to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, doing door-to-door -door call um, surveys or getting, you know, even the surveys on the phone, uh, those are really pricey. So we also have to um, work within our budget to be able to, to conduct all these surveys. So, um, but yeah, we've done a couple of community surveys on the impact of COVID-19 and the city council used those results um, to then determine like where they wanted to use the COVID-19 funds. And these are all available on our, our website as well. So cityofsacramento.com slash auditor. Great, thank you so much. I know that we have uh, Commissioner Williamson and then followed by uh, Mr. Falcone, Commissioner Falcone. Commissioner hey. Williamson? Yes. Um... Ms. Harari, I'm going to reach out to uh, Commissioner Bliss and arrange to meet him at a place where we run into each other once in a while. I'm going to interview him and take detailed notes on all the suggestions so we can get them compiled in one place and then share those with you. But uh, I, I, I share his enthusiasm, but I think, you know, this is all an example of no good deed goes unpunished, no matter how good a job you do. We're always going to come back and say, why didn't you do something different? So, I, I, but I, I, I share his enthusiasm and we will harness all this energy that we have to share back to you and keep up your great work. Thank you. Thank you so much. And yeah, I mean, every year we do the survey, we learn something new and we try to improve the survey for the following year. So we welcome any feedback you may have or any ways that we can improve the survey. We have no problem with that. Thank you. Commissioner Falcone. Yeah, here I go again. Just two more questions, I guess. As I read through the information quickly on your website on that, um, 7,000 surveys, 10% returned. Yes. That 7,000 is considered representative of Sacramento? Uh, the... Statistically valid, 95% confidence is not the number of surveys you send out, but the number that you get back. So the 700 uh, is kind of what we were going for, 700 or more. Um, oh. It was like less than 600 or more. And, but, you know, there's a but, scientific calculation for how to. Okay. Calculate. And I, I'm, I'm an arts person, not necessarily a science person. And I would love to find more information still about, because I'm still questioning 
and under, trying to understand how 7,000 representative becomes inclusive within the people you're trying to reach. So it, it, it's just something that I'm struggling with there. Mm -hmm. I understand what you're saying regarding science versus, you know, yes, but who will we get responses from? Try to make sure we get that we are getting responses. So these are the ones we'll be going to. But one of the things, and, and again, I know you over you over surveyed for those areas where traditionally and systemically you did not get responses to. Um, but I would challenge the city. This is not for you as the auditor. I would challenge the city with the community office of engagement and the good work that they are doing now. And I'm not saying they haven't done good work in the past, just what I'm aware of now. Lynette Hall, I'm, I'm serious about that. You're doing great work now. Um, I'd be curious to see how we can get that 7,000 raised. Number two, it is also interesting to me, now I'm just going to say troubling to me, that this city would think that a 10% rate of return on a survey of this importance would be adequate. And maybe, maybe they don't feel it's adequate. I haven't heard anybody tell me otherwise. But that a 10% rate of return would be adequate when systemically the city has been taken to task time and time again that the level of engagement it tries to do is always falling short and how we can try to solve that. And I would reach out and say, let your community help you, let your commissions help you. And lastly, I would say, echoing what Commissioner Bliss said, I think there's some still left over, some ARPA funding. And would it not be great to take some of that ARPA funding? Let's, let's just do the math right now. 7,000 surveys times that times 100, okay? I think we can find the ARPA dollars necessary to put a $100 stipend into the hands of the people who would potentially take the survey to give you some results that, I'm not gonna say these aren't meaningful, but that could be eye-opening. Just a suggestion on my part and uh, I'll, I'll let you go. Thank you so much again though, really. And it's not really directed as a criticism of your office. Okay. It is honestly a criticism of the response to the subject of community engagement, community outreach, and community participation in this time of mistrust by my friends at the city. And I'll close with that, thank you. Yeah, so just a few things. Um... We did work with Lynette Hall. We've been working with her every year. Um, she does a lot of outreach to neighborhood uh, communities. Um, she goes on the radio. She puts stuff in uh, different newspapers that she has access to. Um, and the 700, uh, we wouldn't try to really raise the 7,000. You want to raise the 700. You want to get a higher response rate. But just in general surveys, a lot of people do not do them. So 10% is not terrible, um, just overall. Of course, we would love 
greater um, responses. Um, but then also there was the 1,319 that we got in the open participation. So only 7,000 were selected to receive the survey to do the random um, statistically valid survey. But we also received another 1,300 and something um, from the open participation. So if you didn't get a survey in the mail, but you still wanted to participate, that's when you saw it on your Facebook feed, you saw it on you know, the city email that you are you know, receiving, like, um, uh, I don't know, weekly or whatever. They had articles on it. It was on the city website. Um, you probably heard it in the different neighborhood associations because uh, Lynette was out there. So that's where we got the additional 1,300. So really overall, we had about 2,000. It was just in two different groups because um, we didn't want to mix the people who participated voluntarily with the people who were randomly selected. And that's just for scientific mathematical reasons. But we have heard from our consultant that there may be new methods where they can actually combine the open participation with the randomly selected survey. So that might happen in the future. Um, there's new methods that they've, I guess, come up with where they'd be able to do that and still Thank be you. representative. Thank you. I'll have to give Lynette a call and tell her that wasn't a criticism. I love what they do. I love what they do. Don't, please Lynette, please. Thank you though. Thank you, Commissioner Bliss. Is your hand up? Yes, and um, yeah, want to second uh, what my colleague uh, Commissioner Falcone is saying. I mean, I really appreciate your work um, that, that's being done. Uh, however, like however you can do it, you're doing the best that you can. Um, and uh, honestly, like the suggestions that I'm making are just uh, ideas that come from uh, you know like grassroots community organizing work, which people like, you know, community members have been doing this for years, irregardless of what city or even the county has been doing. Um, and uh, I think it like, you know, I really applaud you all for like, for really approaching this with intentionality. And, um, and, and I appreciate you listening to our, our considerations within that. And uh, one of the things I also uh, wanted to look up and suggest, you know, as you were talking about those like open participation periods, um, as like really it's i think it would immense like it would immensely help the burden like the staff burden on your office as well as just the city financing if there were community uh, groups that were commissioned to do this work and could do that at a far um like at a far less expensive rate than like you know the necessary full-time staff that are doing all these other duties um in fact there's a great example uh from uh places like the city of seattle um, that is um, that uh, leading up to a uh, participatory budgeting process actually had a um, uh, forwarded advanced three million dollars uh, to, to to conduct a community a community led um, uh, community needs assessment that was uh, brought up by or that was uh, ended up creating this organization called the Black Brilliance Research Project. And they were able to conduct an honest like needs assessment uh, over the course of a year um, through various survey methods and like community listening sessions that were able to actually identify the core needs of their community, which their process that they're about to do, which the city is currently conducting right now, uh, or, like here in Sacramento and the city inside Seattle is about to do, ultimately uh, ended up informing and guiding that process. So 
this is just one of the examples of like, you know, the power that community members can do if they actually have the funding to do that. And you don't need $3 million to necessarily do that. There are actually community groups here in Sacramento that have been doing that work. Like um, the People's Budget Sacramento did a survey um, uh, early on during COVID um, that was able to collect over 1,500 um, respondents here. And uh, there are other community groups too, I'm sure, that uh, conduct their own small surveys. But I really want to encourage you, um, as you're planning these uh, surveys, really consider um, how you're doing, like how community outreach is being done and who you're tapping on within the community, especially those community groups that many of those who may not trust what the city's doing might trust those community groups to do. Um, and, like, and really conducting uh, a meaningful, honest, uh, honest needs assessment uh, that could inform the city's priorities. I mean, we may not be able to control what ultimately what the city manager or the city council decides, um, uh, especially not like, you know, like um, looking at the city manager, but we can ultimately um, still inform the decision among community members who can then bring that to um, their city council members individually, as well as to uh, their neighbors and, and friends. I think this research, irregardless of what the city ultimately does for it, has really, like, is really valuable to the community groups that are uh, directly involved and engaged with their communities to make sure that they have the needs that they, like, uh, that their needs are met. So really, again, thank you so much for this presentation. Thank you for, uh, for your good work in the survey. Please continue this. And really, I mean, take these, uh, just take these considerations to, uh, to heart as best you can. Will do, thank you so much. And thank you so much for making the time to come to present to our commission and allowing us to have a really, really robust dialogue. Thank you. Okay, well, thank you so much everyone. We're moving on to our next item. It's the Inspector General OIS report update. Hi, and this is Mary Oppler from OPSA. Um, speaking on behalf of the Inspector General, who's not here tonight, uh, the report is not quite done yet. The Inspector General has finished it, but it still has to go to the City Attorney's Office and then to Mayor and Council. So it's it's done, but it, it's not ready to debut. So this is the first report that has gone through this. So I, I can't give you a firm deadline of when it's going to be out, but it should be soon. So uh I will email both the chair and co-chair the minute that it is officially out, but hopefully that will be done soon. Thank you so much, Mary, for the update and letting us know what the status of that report is. Uh, thank you. And do we have, Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. We currently have no members of the public with their hands raised. Great. Any member, any commissioners who want to speak on the item? Commissioner Bliss. Just a question for uh, Assistant City Manager, Lara. Um, do you have a timeline on when um, <coughs> City Manager's office will bring the, um, the Inspector General's report to City Council uh, or at least agendize it? Uh, no, I do not have that timeline, but I'll follow up with, with you and the, and the chair offline. Thanks, I appreciate that. And uh, I would also uh, request too for um, uh, Mary, if uh, when, whenever, as soon as you hear it, I would like it to be, uh, just request that it be agendized for the next available meeting. Excellent, I'm writing that down and I'll put it in the follow-up log. Thank you. Fantastic, thank you so much, Mary. Okay, so we're moving on. 
our next item it's um and there is it's just an update so we don't need to vote on any of these items but the next um, item is in a, a very exciting one we have the introduction of the sacramento um, community our newest commissioner and can we go ahead and ask her to introduce herself please i've been waiting on this item the entire night Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Robin Rose Hamer. I use she, her, hers pronouns, and I'm a resident of District 5. I'm very excited to be joining you and happy to discuss um, my work history, uh, my qualifications, and or ways that we could connect uh, online or offline. Realize we have lots and lots of rules about uh, secret meetings and all of the things, but always happy to grab some coffee and, and just get to know folks. We also have to let you in the secret handshake, so more to come on that. Very important. I do not want to be without that handshake information. That could get embarrassing. Thank you so much and welcome to the commission. Thank you. Great. So our last items are any comments, ideas, any um, things that we want to put on the log? Any commissioners want to speak on this item? Making sure I don't miss anybody. Great. Well, it sounds like if not, that concludes our agenda for tonight. Thank you, everybody, for staying with us and being very engaged, asking thoughtful questions. Until next time, thank you so much.